Against all odds, writer Bas Timmers went on a trip to Latin America on September the 1st, 2020, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. This is his story, The Long Road to Medellin. Chapter 14, Tarantula. There was no outside in my room last night. No artificial separation between humans and the animal kingdom. My bed only protected by a mosquito net and a roof to shield me from the elements. When I woke up the first time, around 6 a.m., parrots and canaries had started their morning symphony. Hidden high up in the trees, just like the monkeys. Hidden in the rainforest that was surrounding me on all sides of the steep canyon. And down in the valley, the Rio Claro, the name giver of this unique natural reserve, was trying to get rid of the torrential rain that had hammered my cabana all night. It is hard to write a book with a central thread when the central thread is that nothing is as planned but everything is better than expected. Desierto Tatacoa had at least always been on my shopping list for Colombia. The pictures of those ochre-colored mountains pulling me in magnetically again and again. Rio Claro, though, had been on the nice-to-have section. Without prior knowledge nor experience of the local topography, it seemed too much of a hassle to get to this apparently remote spot near the Medellin-Bogota highway, as the travel guide said. Could I know that highway was a two-lane road, as slow-moving as all the other ones in this country? Could I know remote location meant only a 15-minute walk from Bespoke Highway? Could I know that in contrast to Master Plan Columbia A and Master Plan Columbia B, this particular stretch of road would become part of my itinerary? The plan had always been to go to Tierra Dentro, an archaeological site somewhere in the no-man's land between Tatacoa and the colonial city of Popayán. One day before the adventure, it turned out though this national park only reopened today, in sharp contrast to the information on their Facebook site. The six available hospitality locations mentioned in my travel bible hadn't yet reopened. Booking sites only returned search results of hostels 20 kilometers down the road. This was becoming too risky, too much stress at this stage of a journey, to embark without reservations on a complicated bus ride to end up in front of closed guest houses. I had reached more psychological limits apparently. The trip from the desert to new destination, the tropical rainforest of Rio Claro, proved to be a complicated one. The Colectivo, minivans where the passengers shared the costs, from Via Vieja to Naiva didn't attract enough passengers. After a two-hour wait, I had to improvise, take the small diesel-powered boat back across the river again, walk through Aipe village to wave down one of the many long-distance buses. Half of the passengers in there didn't even pretend to wear a face mask. Same for the nightly rides to Doradal, close to where Pablo Escobar had his ranch. A crowded bus with no maskers. 
the aggressive part of my character reared its head again, demanding in faultless and very clear Spanish they should comply with the rules. The soulless expression of disinterest in their faces made me decide on the spot I would try to limit the amount of bus trips from now on to an absolute minimum. Enough was enough. All of this pent-up frustration obviously dissolved the moment I walked into the National Reserve. This was where normal life slowly stopped, where humans weren't wearing the trousers anymore. You could hear the fauna everywhere, hidden in the thick rainforest. The muddy road followed the river on a left turn, passing a guest house with normal rooms. The central building entailed a restaurant, some family rooms, and the reception desk for the rooms and for the adrenaline activities. Indeed, the morning after I would wake up with squeezed packs of meat, also known as humans, zip lining in front of my cabana. So much for the pure nature experience. It was though the only real sign of normal civilization and technology. There was no Wi-Fi, hardly any mobile internet reception. No hot showers. This was truly switching off. Cold turkey. The free houses with open cabanas were further down the canyon. In the steeper part, where steep rocks on both sides were partly overgrown with trees and bushes that still managed to blossom here. The owners, the Amazon Foundation, had managed to build these free dwellings here mostly out of wood, with a toilet and a cold shower in each unit plus a bed, a mosquito net, and a chair to admire nature with the unobstructed views from your cabana. The only option for couples here would probably to have silent sex, as even whispers could sometimes be heard in other rooms. One would learn to live by the rhythm of nature here. Get up early, around 6.30am when daylight creeps through the non-existent windows. Enjoy the morning fauna show. Eat, walk, swim. Have dinner at 6 p.m. in the restaurant, so the walk back to the cabana is only at the start of darkness and all the reptiles have not yet appeared from their daylight, daylight hideouts. No Netflix in your room, no Spotify. Read a book and fall asleep at 9.30 p.m. Repeat. The first morning I embarked on the longest possible hike in the reserve, on an ever-narrower trail up the river. Twice I could hear an animal sliver away right in front of me, probably snakes. At a certain point continuing didn't make sense anymore, it would be akin to complicated rock climbing. This is where the adventure ended, this unique place privately owned by a foundation trying to preserve this piece of tropical rainforest. The day after I escaped the reserve, across the highway, whose construction in the 1970s, without any consideration for the ecosystem it cut in half, was the reason for the Amazon Foundation to buy this land. On the other side was a dirt road where signs were warning for crossing snakes, and a dry forest popped up where the rafts from the Rio Claro reserve passed by. These fun activities were the main source of income for the foundation probably. Day trippers from Medellin or Bogota seeking some adrenaline. And maybe staying one night in an open air cabana as well 
to go back to the roots. In the end, I stayed for three nights. No idea why, actually. It just was. There was absolutely nothing to do for me in the reserve except walking, as I hated the adrenaline stuff. But it turned out to be the perfect decision. With a beautiful word, Germans call it entschleunigen, decelerate, unwind. I thought I had survived my encounter with wild nature, with possibly scary animals and poisonous plants, and was on my way to the final dinner in the restaurant. Of course, in exactly that last moment, all of a sudden there it was right in front of me on the rocky footpath. Ten thin legs stretching out in all directions, all supporting the dark hairy torso and the two reddish eyes popping out. I assumed it looked at me. It moved the meter to the side, apparently as scared by me as was the reverse case. Then there was a truce. Time to grab my camera. Take a picture from a distance. Still no movement on the other side. Time for more photos. Closer and closer. Everything for a genius shot, my friends. Then there was no excuse anymore. I moved swiftly and decisively past the giant spider as if it were the most normal case in the world. On my way back, 30 minutes later, the tarantula had disappeared. They are not dangerous, the receptionist shrugged, as long as you leave them alone. Thank you for listening to another chapter of The Long Road to Medellin, a book about traveling during the pandemic. If you want to read more travel stories by Boss Timmers about Latin America, visit IntoTheArmsOfAmerica.com.